You are Locked On Aggies, your daily podcast on the Texas A&M Aggies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, everybody, and welcome into another episode of Locked On Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M, and today we're actually going to turn the focus away from A&M and more so on the South Carolina Gamecocks. Now, like most of you know, this is a big game. This is one of their rivalry games technically when you look on the schedule because A&M and the Gamecocks face off against each other every single year, but when you have to break down this game, Is there really a bigger rivalry than you could say from last week against Arkansas? Because that's a game that, in my opinion, always goes down to the wire. I'm not sure you're going to see it this time around. But, of course, the Gamecocks do have players on both sides of the ball to watch for. So who are they? Let's break it down. Before we begin, make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson. I am the host of the show, and I love public feedback. Anything you can do or say to help make this a more quality-sounding podcast every single day, I am more than willing to listen. Give me a follow at Mr. Cole Thompson. And secondly, at Locked on Aggies. Locked on Aggies is your number one source for all things 12th Man-related content found here on LOP. Subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify. And remember, every single day is a Locked on Podcast day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. Guys, again... I'm not getting into politics. I this this show today is to really get you out of that mindset. No idea what's going on in this country. No idea who's going to win this election. No idea what's going to happen in in the next few hours or even days. So let's just turn our attention away from that. The votes that need to count are the ones that go towards the college football playoff. And Texas A&M sitting at number seven actually has a very good shot to be in the conversation for the initial college football playoff race. But to do so, they're going to have to win against Will Muschamp's team, who even though is not a good South Carolina team, I mean, they're not. South Carolina is a very, very average football team this year, but they do have a monumental win over Auburn. They're sitting at 2-3 and three with losses to a ranked Tennessee team, a ranked Florida team, And an LSU team that just is really, really bad. But they are coming off of a bye week, which does help them out a lot. And this game will be played at home against the Aggies on November 7th, 6 p.m. kickoff. Does any of that matter? Maybe not. Well, the thing that makes me the most positive looking at this for Texas A&M is their quarterback situation. Colin Hill transferred over from Colorado State, because Mike Bobo, the former head coach of Colorado State, was fired, and he had worked with this quarterback in the past. He had worked in the recruiting process. He had worked in the um, in the actual offense with him. He put up numbers in Fort Collins. He hasn't done that in Columbia. I mean, you look at him this year. Just this year. I'm not going to go back to all of his numbers at Colorado State. He's thrown for over 200 yards three times. He has yet to throw for over 300. And in those games where he's thrown for over 230 yards, he's thrown at least one interception and he's thrown at least one touchdown. Florida was his best game. Florida was his best game. And he had his, he had his third lowest passing completion, passing yards. And he had his lowest completion percentage in that game. 28 of 47, 212 yards, 59.6 completion rating. But he didn't have a tur- he did not have a turnover. And he did not have a play shorter than 12 yards. 
I look at this and I go, okay, if you beat Florida and they were able to get four sacks on this kid and he struggles with connecting with his targets overall, his, his completion rating is 61. It's about the league average. It's nothing special. It's nothing extraordinary. It's just enough. You break all that down. To me, what that says is this kid is very beatable. And if you beat the team that beat him with four sacks, as long as you get pressure on him, he's going to struggle. They don't throw it that often. The last three games that Hill's played, they've thrown it under 25 times. And maybe that's helped with his completion rating. 66, 62, 54 against Vandy, Auburn, and LSU respectively. But in those games also, two of them he hasn't thrown for over 200 yards. He's also seen limited sacks because of it. Two sacks for Vanderbilt, one sack for Auburn, five for LSU. I'll give him that. And that led to his uh, one of his lowest completion ratings of the season. But in that game against LSU, which is funny, he actually had his highest QBR rating of the season at 149.8. QBR ratings is one of those weird things where I don't really look at it in metrics. It matters how much you do with it. And in that game, one touchdown, one interception, that that doesn't say it for me. So I'm not going to really go that much into detail. But you have players who can pressure Hill into making mistakes. And that's really what it is. Pressure. The more pressure you add on this kid, the more likely he's going to make mistakes. You had a five-sack performance from A&M this past weekend against Arkansas. You had Bobby Brown making plays up the middle. You had DeMarvin Leal making plays from the three-tech and the five-tech. You had Michael Clemens continuing his success as the team's lead sack. You had great blitzing techniques from the linebacking core to where Buddy Johnson even got involved in the plays. And you have good young talent. So the biggest thing will be pressuring Hill into making mistakes. There really is not that much of a difference between Hill and Ryan Holinsky, who was the incumbent starter last year before he was benched in favor of the redshirt senior. There's not much of a difference between these two. You can pressure both into making big mistakes. So I look at this, and if I'm A&M, I have to make sure that my cornerbacks are playing a lot of man. Mainly because of I can't give any of his targets a window to get open. Because all he needs is one good throw, and guess what? They'll put up 40 yards. So you cannot play zone. You have to play man in this one. Also, when you play man, it allows your defensive line to have a little bit more time if the man coverage is really good. It allows them to have a little bit more time to win the initial push off the line of scrimmage to be able to get in the backfield. Once Hill's on the move, good luck. It's a 50-50 shot, and 9 out of 10, it's been in favor of the defense. If you can play great man coverage against these weapons, it should be an easy game for a and at least at guarding the quarterback position. The problem is, is that there's two great defensive backs we're going to mention a little bit later and a young wide receiver core for Kellen Mond where this could just be a really low-scoring game. More importantly, it's not about the passing game that a has to worry about. It's actually about the running game 
that they're going to have to prevent from breaking out. But let's not talk about that real fast. Let's talk about you hitting your reset button. Everyone has one. Everyone has their breaking point. Everyone has their moment where they just feel like they need to chill. And the best way to do so is sometimes with a nice cold beverage. That's why I recommend when you go reach for that beverage, go reach for Coors Light because it's literally made to chill. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport is on this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill. Even if your team isn't playing this year, there still are plenty of teams and sports on television that can give you the excuse to chill, sit back, and drink a beer. Now, Coors Light is the official beer of watching any sport on Texas A&M just to drink a beer because it's cold lagered, cold filtered, cold packaged, literally made to chill. I know I reach for Coors Light as much as possible when I get a break just because of I need an ice cold drink. And the blue cans, thanks to the great people at the Coors Brewing Company in Golden, Colorado, show me that my beer is going to be as cold as the Rockies themselves. Make sure that you go get a Coors Light when you want to hit that reset button and made to chill. And you can do so by getting it straight delivered to your house at get.coorslight.com. And always remember to celebrate responsibly. Guys, this episode of Locked on Aggies is brought to you by Bilt Bar. Now, I know you love the original dozen flavors that included coconut, almond, German chocolate cake, peanut butter, banana bread, and salt caramel. But now you can make it a full 18 flavors with their brand new six flavors, including caramel brownie, cookies and cream, lemon almond cheesecake, and apple almond crisp. These bars are more like candy bars than they are actually like protein bars because they're covered in 100% real chocolate and soft and easy to chew thanks to that nougat center. They're great for the health conscious guy because they can help you lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat that's actually made better for you. The bars are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and they're great for someone like me who is on the keto diet. I can't put down the peanut butter bar because I have it every single morning before I go work out. And look at these numbers. 19 grams of protein, 180 calories, 5 grams of sugar, 5 grams of net carbs. You're not going to find a product like this anywhere else on the shelf. And with their brand new relaunch, you can go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKEDON to save 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. You don't need to always be working out to have a protein bar. Protein is just part of your daily dose. So why not use one from BuiltBar.com? Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Cole Thompson and the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, let me get your opinion on something. Do you know quality podcasts around your favorite sports teams? If so, why not listen to a Locked On Podcast? The Locked On Podcast Network has over two dozen college sports shows plus every team covered in the NFL, NBA, NHL, MLB, and highlight information to get you geared up and win your fantasy football season. It's not too late. You still can make a comeback, you know, unless you're Oh, and eight. Then there's nothing you can do. But make sure you subscribe on iTunes, listen on Spotify, and if you can't do any of that, listen live every single day because you know that every single day is a Locked On Podcast day here at LockedOnPodcast.com. Texas A&M is going to be traveling to Columbia, South Carolina, don't get that mistaken, with Missouri, to face off against the Gamecocks. This is a big game for Jimbo Fisher because of the relationship he has with Will Muschamp. It's one of those games that I feel like every single year, really goes in favor of the Aggies, but it means a little bit more than it ever has in the past since these two have been playing against each other since 2012 because of that relationship. Anyone who knows anything, I'll just say this story real fast. I'm an Alabama alum. I cover the SEC and I have for multiple different outlets since college, since my junior year. I know a lot about every team because of I've had great insight from friends who also worked in journalism during their college days. One of my best friends in this business is an Auburn grad. He does great work for one of the top websites in America. 
And he and I would meet at least once a year, if not more, go have a good time, talk sports. But I can tell you this much. We loved seeing our team beat their team because of it gave us something to brag about on the drive home. We got to have that moment. So no matter who we cover in this business, I think you always want to see your team win because it's a positive story. It's the same thing with coaching. Jimbo Fisher and Will Muschamp have been best buds since 2003 in their days in Baton Rouge. They've both had opportunities to coach in the Sunshine State in Florida. They both have had opportunities to make an impact at a different program in the Lone Star State. And they both have had an opportunity to make an impact in the SEC with one multiple different teams. Really both actually multiple different teams. One with two teams, one with three teams. I'm just saying, four teams, wow. God, Mustang's been around a while. But winning this game means something to these two because of it's a little bit of bragging rights, but it also just shows how much these two put an effort into performing the best. Playing against someone that you truly like and truly care about, it brings the best out in you. And that's anything in life, I really feel like. So make sure, whatever you do in life, if it's against somebody or it's someone that you care about, you're going to put all the effort in. And that's why I think of this game, you always see the effort come out by AM, especially in the play calling from Jimbo Fisher. However, the play calling by Will Muschamp and Mike Bobo on offense is going to have to heavily rely on probably the run game. And if so, Kevin Harris is going to be in for a very big day. Harris has been one of the breakout stars in the SEC this season. Really, everyone's kind of just trying to catch up with Najee Harris, who's had another big time game, especially with Jalen Waddell out for the Crimson Tide. But Harris now ranks second in rushing yards, averaging 5.75 yards per carry, which actually is 0.1 yard shy of being the SEC leading rusher when it comes to rushing yards on the ground. Eight total touchdowns on 93 attempts. That's a really cool number. He's had two big breakout runs as long as it was the 88-yard touchdown. I believe it was against Florida in Week 2. But he's had some really good games. And when you look at this number overall... I mean, they do have two good runners, and also Deshaun Fenwick, who's averaging 5.78 yards per game and has only done it in 36 carries. Offensive plays are limited right now when you look at South Carolina, but the one thing you can say is they have made the most of their opportunity. I mean, seriously, when you look back at these games for the likes of the Gamecocks, one game, they were not in it. And it was against the defending national title champions in LSU. Every other game. They, and they got a huge win over Auburn. So they were in that game. They beat the crap out of Vanderbilt. Very late. It, the score doesn't say it. I remember watching this game live. They hung in with Florida. Florida just scored way too many points too early for them to play catch up with. And if not for what was a very controversial call at the very end of the game, maybe they beat Tennessee at home. LSU was the only game that they were not in this past season. And you know what? Maybe that's just the case. There's always going to be some games. But let's break down Harris's stats. In three games this year, he's rushed for over 100 yards. In three, four games this year, three, yeah, three games this year, he's had at least 21 carries. In those games, he's averaged 8.1 yards, uh, 3.3 yards, and 4.5. In limited carries against... LSU, 
He had two touchdowns, an average of 10.5 yards and 126 yards on the day. He also was effective out of the backfield with two receptions for uh, 13 yards per play on the year, nine total touchdowns. He's also a smaller back, 5'10", but he's burly. And what I mean by that is these burly backs at a smaller size, they are pinballs. Initial just wrap-up tackling isn't going to get the job done. You have to grab, hold, and let a second defender come in there to end the play. He's going to make defenders miss. And if he gets to that third level, he's shown in every game this year he can break out for a big-time run. Three games he's rushed for over 20 yards is his biggest run of the day. And sometimes that's all you need. Because you got to remember, where field position is, matters. Harris is going to be a big name to watch for. And again, when you watch the play calling in Columbia this year, it's very limited. It's not as if they're going out of the way, you know, having drive after drive and in a positive play. It, it's actually more so defense stepping up, getting some big time stops or turnovers or forcing a three and out. And then they go out there and they try and get some, get some plays back. But it's not been a great offense. I mean, South Carolina ranks 11th, 12th, and 10th in all offensive categories. They also rank 11th, 8th, and 8th in defensive categories. So they're about the most average team in the SEC. And that's why their record is 2-3. and three, Because of they are very average. Which, through 5 games, you're either 3-2 and two or 2-3. Two and three. That's about an average score. The thing is... Any given Saturday, you can win. And field position plays a big factor. That's why A&M, and I mentioned this on yesterday's show, third down efficiency was so important. When you had a 67 completion rate of third down efficiency, you were set. You didn't have that. And they haven't had that. But they do have a running back who can make defenders miss, who will have defenders try to just hit with the stick, bring them down, and it's not going to go that easily. Instead, you have to find a common ground. And this is where the common ground is. It's getting a guy like Harris to be met at the line of scrimmage, holding him by the defensive lineman, and having a linebacker such as Hansford, such as jo- uh, such as Johnson, such as even a nickel corner like Devin Morris come up and finish the play. The run game for South Carolina has been a blessing, even though it's been limited. He's He doesn't have 100 carries on the year. There's so many other players in the SEC who have over 100 carries, and they're not even putting up near the same stats as Harris. But, same time, make the most of your situation. Harris has done that. Stop Harris, you'll be fine. Two defensive backs are the big storyline in the SEC this season, and both come from South Carolina. One is actually emerging as potentially the number one cornerback in next year's draft class, which would be, I think, the first time since Stephon Gilmore that South Carolina's produced a number one corner. Who is it? Doug Winner will be breaking down who in just a quick moment. Locked on Aggies presented by the Locked On Podcast Network. Phil Thompson here in the driver's seat talking all things Texas A&M. Guys, be sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked On Aggies. Subscribe to the podcast here at Locked On Podcast Network at LockedOnPodcast.com, on iTunes, and on Spotify. Defensively, this really comes down to one thing. The secondary in South Carolina is built to win. They're also built to be pretty good. And when you look at the numbers right now, they are pretty good. They're not the best, but they do find ways to make turnovers. And this is where we come with Jace Horn. Junior defensive back, playing five games this year. He only has 13 touchdowns. I mean, 13 tackles. 
But he does have six pass deflections. He has played well in run support, and he has two interceptions. Two interceptions doesn't seem like a lot, but when you're playing against an Auburn team and you do get both of them in that game, big deal, at least in my opinion, against Bo Nix, who I do not think is a good quarterback. However, this is the closest team that South Carolina will face that's in the same category. I know that they lost to LSU, but LSU also got thwarted by Auburn, who lost to South Carolina, so there's a giant triangle of just losers right there. But this is the closest team that they will face. There also isn't an established wide receiver still. I very much was pleased with what I saw from Hezekiah Jones coming back. Big time game from him. Chase Lane made a few good catches as a vertical threat, which I do think is going to be his role moving forward. Jalen Weidemeyer had his best game of the year, easily. But Anais Smith still is leading the team in receiving yards. He still, I believe, is leading the team in touchdowns, in reception touchdowns. In a big-time cornerback, a cornerback that most NFL teams would just go, wow, we need him to play our boundary corner. He's going to get off breaks really fast. And if he can do so, he's a willing tackler. He will make stops on Smith. And then you have to go look at Kellen Mond and go, all right, you are going to have to go after somebody deep. That's the only way you're going to win. You're going to have to go deep. I know you may not like that, but you're going to have to go deep. And I think your best deep threat in this game is going to be Jalen Weidemeyer. They do not have a cover linebacker. You watch their film. Kyle Pitts was able to have a great game against the Gamecocks because they didn't have a linebacker. And you don't have a safety. I mean, you don't have a safety who can cover. You don't have a linebacker who can cover. You're forced to put a nickel corner, which likely is going to be a six foot two guy who's better on the outside against a more flexible tight end. Weidemeyer is right behind Kyle Pitts when it comes to flexibility as a tight end. He can block. He can catch. He's good after the run. You're going to have to stop that. I would like to see how A&M continues to develop him. I'd like to see South Carolina be able to stop him. It's not possible. When you get Weidemeyer on one-on-one coverage, he can win. More importantly, he also has good size and good speed to win after the catch. And on top of all of that, he can make plays with his hands, physically. He can bully you into the ground. Add all that together, and that's a mismatch for South Carolina. But the only way that that mismatch happens is if Jace Horn limits your number one target, which right now is Anaya Smith. And then he's going to go after probably Chase Lane. And if Hezekiah Jones is the one on the outside, well, guess what? He's probably going to go after him as well. I look at all of that, and it makes me think this is the game where Jalen Weidemeyer goes big. The run support, they don't have Javon Killaw anymore, so you can think that Isaiah Spiller is going to have a good game, but you definitely know for a fact, I would say Jalen Weidemeyer is going to have the biggest game. That's going to do for this edition of Locked on Aggies. Make sure you're following us on social media at Mr. Cole Thompson and at Locked on Aggies. Tomorrow's show, three ingredients to win. What are the three biggest ways for A&M to claim victory over South Carolina? We're breaking all that down. We'll see you tomorrow. And remember, give me all. This has been Locked on Aggies, presented by the Locked on Podcast Network.